Our first reading this evening is from Genesis, the 30th chapter. Then God remembered Rachel, and God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son and said, God has taken away my reproach. And she called his name Joseph, saying, May the Lord add to me another son. This is the word of the Lord. Our second reading from Joel, the second chapter. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting, with weeping, and with mourning, and rend your hearts and not your garments. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love, and he relents over disaster. Who knows whether he will not turn and relent and leave a blessing behind him, a grain offering and a drink offering for the Lord your God? Blow the trumpet in Zion, consecrate a fast, call a solemn assembly, gather the people, consecrate the congregation, assemble the elders, gather the children, even nursing infants. Let the bridegroom leave his room and the bride her chamber Between the vestibule and the altar, let the priests, the ministers of the Lord, weep and say, Spare your people, O Lord, and make not your heritage a reproach, a byword among the nations. Why should they say among the peoples, Where is their God? Then the Lord became jealous for his land and had pity on his people. The Lord answered and said to his people, Behold, I am sending to you grain, wine, and oil, And you will be satisfied, and I will no more make you a reproach among the nations. This is the word of the Lord. The Holy Gospel according to St. Matthew, the sixth chapter. Jesus said, Beware of practicing your righteousness before other people in order to be seen by them. For then you will have no reward from your Father who is in heaven. Thus, when you give to the needy, sound no trumpet before you, as the hypocrites do in the synagogues and in the streets, that they may be praised by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what your right hand is doing, so that your giving may be in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you pray, you must not be like the hypocrites. For they love to stand and pray in the synagogues and at the street corners, that they may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you pray, go into your room and shut the door, and pray to your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. And when you fast, do not look gloomy like the hypocrites, for they disfigure their faces, that their fasting may be seen by others. Truly, I say to you, they have received their reward. But when you fast, anoint your head and wash your face, that your fasting may not be seen by others, but by your Father who is in secret, and your Father who sees in secret will reward you. Do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth, where moth and rust destroy, and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven." where neither moth nor rust destroys, and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, 
there your heart will be also. This is the gospel of our Lord. Grace, mercy, and peace to you from God our Father, our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and the Holy Spirit who gives and who strengthens our faith. The words for our sermon tonight are from our first reading from Genesis chapter 30 that we have just read. Ten weeks ago, we celebrated the birth of a baby, a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. Angels sang about his birth. 
Shepherds sought out his manger. Wise men looked for and found him. Conceived by the Holy Spirit and born of the Virgin Mary, Jesus came to save his people from their sins. And in response, we all sang joy to the world. That's how it's supposed to be whenever a baby is born. It's a happy, joy-filled occasion, a cause for celebration. But tonight, we begin a Lenten journey with Joseph. And the beginning of this journey is utterly joyless. Joseph's mother, Rachel, wasn't yet a mother. And it appeared she might never be a mother. Babies were being born left and right, but not for Rachel. You remember Rachel, don't you? It was love at first sight when Jacob first spied the beautiful young shepherdess watering her father's flock. Jacob worked seven years for Rachel, only to be deceived by his father-in-law, Laban, into marrying Rachel's sister, Leah. Jacob got to marry Rachel too, but at the cost of another seven years of labor. Jacob and Rachel were finally together as husband and wife. First came love, then eventually came marriage. But there were no babies born to Rachel. Her sister Leah, she had babies, and lots of them. Six sons and one daughter. In addition, Rachel's maidservant and Leah's maidservant each gave birth to two more sons for Jacob. And so eventually... Eleven babies were born to Jacob through three separate women before one was born to Rachel. Needless to say, these births brought no joy to Rachel. Each newborn's first day of life caused a mix of anger and sorrow to well up in Rachel. Each and every baby not born to her was a bitter reminder to beautiful Rachel of her barrenness. A terrible reminder of what she didn't have, a baby of her own to have and to hold. Rachel's barren state was more than just a procreation problem. It was, in fact, a spiritual problem, a faith problem. Children are a gift from the Lord, and Rachel hadn't received that gift. It was a source of shame and emotional distress. Did it signify the Lord's displeasure with her? Was the Lord testing her faith? Why did her most heartfelt prayers seem to go unanswered? Why did she feel so forsaken by the Lord? So, Rachel tried to take matters into her own hands. Rachel herself gave her maid to Jacob, thinking that her maid Billah could have children 
that Rachel could count as her own. This is where our lives intersect with Rachel's life. Some among us may struggle with infertility and know the heartbreak that that can bring. But we all struggle with faith. You don't have to be in the business of childbirth to share in the sin of Rachel and Jacob. We all know how painful it can be when our heartfelt prayers go unanswered. We all know how endless the wait can seem for those who wait for the Lord when the hoped-for healing doesn't come. We all know the tragic progression from sadness to bitterness and from bitterness to anger and from anger to despair. In desperation, we might take matters into our own hands. We stitch together our own sinful solutions, setting God's will aside to secure the relief that we crave. We'd rather ignore the Lord's will than wait for the Lord. And in the end, we are often left with a sin-filled situation just like Rachel's, a dysfunctional debacle fueled by faithless desperation. But two words, two words from tonight's text changed everything. God remembered. God remembered Rachel. When all hope had dried up and faith was just dimly flickering, God remembered. God listened to her and opened her womb. She conceived and bore a son, not just any son. That birth was the genesis, the beginning of Joseph, and the beginning of a journey that would ultimately deliver God's people and point all the way to Christ, all the way to Jesus. God remembered Rachel. But in the Hebrew language, remembering is more than mere recollection. When God remembers, he acts. He intervenes. And this is all grace. For tonight, we see how God acts and works not just for the well-behaved who wait patiently in faith. God remembered Rachel in her shameful striving. God remembered Rachel in her sin and desperation. God remembers those who feel forgotten and forsaken. Why? Because, as Scripture says, He is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. God remembered Rachel and she gave birth to a son. She joyfully named the boy Joseph. And that son signaled the end of Rachel's shame and desperation. He was a reminder of 
God's remembrance and also Rachel's deliverance. The name Joseph means may he add. Choosing that name was a confession of faith and also a prayer of hope. In joyful expectation, Rachel exclaimed, May the Lord add to me another son. Another son is why you have come here tonight. God remembered Rachel with Joseph. But God has remembered you with another son. His only beloved son, Jesus Christ. When God remembers... He takes action. And God has acted definitively for you in the person of his son. In that son is the end of your shame and your desperation. In that son is your deliverance from sin and death. In that son, God remembers the forgotten. That son, Jesus was forsaken on the cross so that God will never forsake you. God has remembered you. God has acted on your behalf for your eternal good in his Son, Jesus Christ. These 40 days of Lent are always, always a time of remembering for us. We will remember our sins and confess them, recounting all the ways that we have wandered from God's will, rejected his commandments, and refused to wait on him in faith. We will also remember the people and places of our Lord's passion, Judas's betrayal, Peter's denial, and Pilate's faulty reasoning. We will also remember Rachel's son Joseph, how his brothers betrayed him, how his faith was challenged, and all the ways he foreshadows God's own son, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. But the heart of this holy season is not our remembering, but God's. God remembered Rachel. God remembered Joseph. And in his beloved son, God remembers you. In Jesus, God is acting on your behalf. He remembers you right here, right here. In the preaching of his promises. In the cleansing that occurs with holy baptism. In the powerful words of holy absolution. And in the bread and wine that is his body and his blood. Here, God remembers you in his son. In the power of his Holy Spirit. Here... The power of his passion is applied to you personally. Forgiveness of your sin and deliverance from disaster, including those of your own making. Yet even now, 
declares the Lord. Return to me with all your heart. We heard those words in our Old Testament reading from Joel. That invitation from the prophet Joel goes out on Ash Wednesday. Return to the Lord. Look to him in faith because he is gracious and merciful, slow to anger and abounding in steadfast love. You can hear that love in those three little words, yet even now. Those three words deliver a whole mouthful of grace. Yet even now, declares the Lord, return to me. Even now, even now, even after you followed Rachel's lead and made your life into a mess at times, even now, even now when you burned your bridges and hardened your heart and hurt the people God has given you to love, God says, yet even now, it's not too late. Yet, even now, he wants you back. Now is the time of God's favor. Now is the day of salvation. Yet, even now, the Lord comes. He remembers you. He delivers you, rescues, and saves you in his Holy Son. And so tonight, you and I begin a Lenten journey with Joseph. And our journey, like Joseph's journey, begins with God remembering. Amen.